Hey everyone, welcome to a very virtual Your Weekly Therapy podcast episode. Um, I'm Tal Williams, one of your hosts. I'm a social worker, therapist, and teacher. I'm Anne-Marie DiPietro, and I'm still a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Still. <laughs> still. We haven't gone running yet. <laughs> no, not yet. Here we are. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm like so freaking sleepy right now <laughs> are you I am I'm, like, I'm waiting for my beds to kick in oh my god I'm like wide awake I've already seen like 10 patients this morning no it couldn't be me could not could not be me oh, yeah. I somehow managed to move all clients this week to Monday Tuesday Thursday so today and Friday I have mostly off I oh, think quotes you. I tried um I don't know how all this can work for me because that meant yesterday was a long day. Mm. Um, and Thursday will be even longer. So it's fine. It's fine. Oh, it's fine. I'm That's totally. I feel like with ADHD, a lot of times it's like better for us to schedule that way though. Yeah. It's like if some, if it, it, it works out better when that day can grab your attention. Right. But right. if you have a busy day and they can't grab your attention, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. this is going to be hell. It's going to yeah. be hell. Yeah. Um. We both have ADHD. We both have talked about that in other episodes. But I think a lot of people have questions about it. Like, I mean, I have questions about it. Yeah, right. Like, I still have, like, what is this? Is this a new symptom? Is this a new way it presents itself? Right. Like, um, but no, I feel like whenever we talk about it, um, or I talk about it on like social media or, or what have you, I get like a plethora of messages. And so I was like, I feel like, people have questions and maybe we do an entire episode on like fielding those questions yeah I'm down um so we well like a week ago I think at this point we um asked people like what their questions are we got so many questions so we got so many questions how Um, many well over like four or five hundred and oh I God. like eventually and, and that's not like in the span of an entire day that was like a few hours and then I was like okay that's that's enough like I can't go through <laughs> I think it was up for two hours maybe and I was like screenshot the ones that like I thought we could start to address but like we could talk we could have a four-hour podcast and not get through yeah everyone's questions on ADHD yeah well the good um, news is we're here every week so Every week. So you still got questions? Go ahead. This could this could just be a ADHD podcast, yep. right? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll just spend the entire time answering your ADHD questions. That's us, the weekly therapy ADHD. Oh, it rhymes. It all, it, and it's just like, if we could just make the title longer, you know, mm-hmm. because grab the attention, keep it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start with like the, I feel like the question that most people have what exactly is ADHD was that really a question that you got yeah what exactly is ADHD because I think one it's like I feel like it's more than what we thought it was growing up right which is why we I don't think yeah everyone has ADHD right I think it's like we actually now know what the qualifications are right well I think one um distinction we can make because I think this is still a common misconception is people say like no I don't have ADHD I have ADD which 
there it's all the same thing now. So attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, it used to be attention deficit disorder or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. It was all changed with the DSM five. So now it's all ADHD. And then it's either inattentive type combined type or hyperactive type. So everyone who has ADD, ADHD, we just call it ADHD. It's either inattentive, both hyperactive at the end of the day, like for the most part, people have symptoms of both, I think, but, um, but in terms of like the clinical definition, um, you know, you have to meet criteria from a bunch of different categories for being inattentive, for being hyperactive, um, you know, and a lot of those things are like avoiding tasks that require sustained mental effort, inability to pay attention, being easily distracted, losing things frequently, um, being forgetful, difficulty waiting in lines. Um, what else am I forgetting? Oh, um, like if you're speaking to, if someone's speaking to you, they might tell you, like, it seems like you're not listening to them. Um, being difficulty sitting still attending to task like one specific task quietly by yourself um what else am I forgetting I mean I think you're hitting like the main points of the clinical definition right like what we have to do to be able to diagnose someone using the the DSM right Mm -hmm. um and I think that was like whenever we talk about ADHD or like I'm talking about a client, I'm like, I can't figure out what it is. Like they're, they're super anxious. They're super depressed, but like, I can't figure out like the root cause of those things. And like, we work at it and, and we'll be like, have we thought of ADHD? Right. So I think that there's like the, which is, I, I feel like of all of the diagnoses, um, both ADHD and autism, what is on the 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 clear guidelines of criteria that have to meet in the DSM um, is I feel like needs dusted off mm-hmm. because there's so many other like red kind of warning signs of you know uh, people having ADHD that aren't included in there mm-hmm. like uh, emotional dysregulation um, uh, difficulty socializing right and these are like outcomes. irritability irritability yeah. And so I feel like, uh, and there's like, you know, binge eating or, you know, if there's a history of, uh, you know, substance use, like. Mm -hmm. Eating disorders, there's a huge co-occurrence with eating disorders and ADHD. Huge. So it's just, it's wild to me that like, when I I remember looking at uh, the criteria and was like, looking at like, where's the other stuff? (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think especially with adults, you see some classic signs that are not going to be in the DSM because first of all, the DSM was written as if you're diagnosing children with ADHD. So that makes it actually the DSM five did do like a little bit, like some of the categories will say like impairments at work or something like that. But, um, irritability is one of the number one signs in adults, uh, as well as this like restlessness that can be perceived as anxiety, So what I see a lot of time, either in my like late teenagers that I diagnosed with ADHD or my adults is that they've been treated unsuccessfully for anxiety for a long time. Um, Ironically, right before we filmed this podcast yesterday, someone came to me who was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. um, Mm -hmm. And it, he 
was a late teenager and um it was not bipolar disorder like it was autism and adhd um but anyway i mean so that's something like that mood dysregulation a lot right. of times people think that mood dysregulation is synonymous with bipolar disorder and it's not no. um many diagnoses have mood lability as a symptom um, and it doesn't mean that you're bipolar. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be bipolar and have ADHD, because certainly you can. Um, but I think a lot of times we see this anxiety that's unresolved by like any anxiety medication. But what ends up happening is you get in this loop where you can't focus, you can't attend to task, you're overwhelmed. So you have this like learned helplessness where yep. everything is so overwhelming that so you do nothing. Yep. Like, have you heard the analogy with the dog? Have I told you that before? The dog jumping over the fence. You used it for the first time the other day when we were doing the, the family session. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So um, they, they did an experiment where there was a dog on one side of the fence and they did like an electric shock on like that side of the fence on the ground or whatever. So when he felt the electric shock, he jumped to the other side of the fence and then he was over there. So they shocked him on that side. So he jumped back to the other side and then he got shocked on the other side. And then he jumped back and forth a few times. And eventually he just like laid down and let himself get shocked because it's like, you know, no matter what I do, I'm going to get shocked. No matter what I do, I'm going to get shocked. So I might as well not put in the effort to do something additional, you know, which learned helplessness is huge with ADHD. And then when you're predisposed to anxiety, or even if you're not, then you get anxious because you have so much to do. You can't do it. You feel like it's so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And then we get so wrapped up in treating anxiety that we're never getting to the root of the problem. So we're really just like compounding everything because the less functional they become, the more anxious they become, but the more anxious they become, the more like dysfunctional. So it's just like this loop of like never ending mess until you, it gets teased out. I always call it the ADHD paralysis is what I feel like because there are times that like it literally feels like that. Like mm-hmm. I know I have these tasks. I know I'm capable of doing these tasks, but to attempt to do them with the attention that I'm lacking to be able to do it and being completely dysregulated, like literally I, I it's it's the weirdest thing to explain. It's like I have 12 weighted blankets on me and I can't get off the couch. Mm-hmm. It is it is absolutely a wild feeling to just mm-hmm. like be able to sit there and be like, oh my gosh, this pa- the papers that I have to grade are right there. Just go pick them up. And I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. That's I how I feel about my email. Like yesterday I got back from St. Louis and I had 187 emails and I was like, I don't have any email. There's no email. I don't, Can't I don't know it. what email is. Like I'm no. literally at the point where I, if I need to like download like a shipping label to return something on the weekend, I can't because I can't look at my email. Like I can't possibly yeah. like, think about seeing an email that I might have to like do something with yeah and I think see this I think this is like one of those core things right because I feel like when I was in school we were taught that it was just like oh they can't pay attention to their test they need an extra you know hour or you know parents a lot of times or even if you're an adult right and maybe your partner's like you just need to like focus like just you have to focus I'm like you don't get it I can't. And mm-hmm. I don't think we realize what comes with, if you can imagine a constant thunderstorm going on in your head with like flashing lights, I feel like it's like every time I would go to set a task, I would see and feel that. And mm-hmm. so I don't think people are as like when you're unable to attend and, and, and give attention, that is where you feel the, um, you know, the, 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 the irritability. Mm-hmm. 
and there's so many things that go into that too. We talked about, uh, you know, if, if, what is it, this statistic, if the child is over the age of 12 and hasn't been um, treated for ADHD, for ADHD mm-hmm. the uh, probability of them bonding. The to risk of substance use. Yeah. Yeah. Increases. Yep. Yeah. But you can uh, normalize the risk. Like the risk goes down to the same rate as the normal, pop- normal population. Right. If you're treated for ADHD prior to the age of 12. Yeah. So this is like why it's like, and something that we talked about is, and we, we I think we should, I'll remember across my fingers to talk about the substance, but this leads us so organic to the second question, which is, um, can ADHD and binge eating uh, be connected? Oh, for sure. I would argue that they're most often connected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's and, such like an impulsive behavior um, yeah. that I think, it makes sense why like Listex amphetamine, I'm going to use generic names because yeah. it's just better. But if you need to Google it, it's Listex amphetamine. Um, it's approved for binge eating disorder and for ADHD. Now we could go into like, you know, the, the neurotransmitters involved and all that like boring stuff. But ultimately, if you like break it down, we're dealing with impulsivity with ADHD. We're dealing with impulsivity with binge eating and eating is a great way to fill voids time, you know, like get your right. Exactly. All of those things. And then it becomes a learned behavior, just like a lot of the behaviors with ADHD also. So, um, I think that they're tied a lot of the time. And to be honest, like at certain points, I'm not even super concerned. Like, do I need to diagnose this person with ADHD in addition to their binge eating? Because I'm treating them for the binge eating, which intrinsically is going to treat whatever ADHD symptoms they have. Um, which is kind of like the way I practice anyway. I think sometimes we subscribe a little too much to diagnoses. Um, so I try to look at like functional limitations and say like, what's interfering with this person's functioning um so if it's their binge eating plus their impulsivity plus they're so overwhelmed at work they can't get anything done like great let's treat that yeah no i agree i think i feel like especially for adults right um we talked about this before when uh my therapist was going through the like autism diagnosis process like at the end of the day most of the things that i do now in like day-to-day work like I, you already accommodate me for the things that I need, right? And and working in mental health, those accommodations, for the most part, if you just say like, I have difficulty with this, this will accommodate. So for me to get a diagnosis, like a formal with, you know, the, you know, having a name to it, um, for me personally, it did it 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 would have it was validating, but I just needed some some someone to help with the symptoms of it, right? So mm-hmm. for stuff like ADHD, I feel like a lot of the times it's like, we will get a diagnosis maybe down the road and stuff, but like the most important thing right now is that we combat the symptoms. And then once mm-hmm. there, then we can, you know, go from there because it, in, in actual especially for me as a therapist, I'm just trying to mitigate the symptoms mm-hmm. of no yeah. matter what it is. Right. Well, and I tell people that all the time too. I mean, I think there's a balance between making a diagnosis, your identity, and then when you need a certain diagnosis or at least like diagnostic impression, clinical presentation to help you conceptualize like what's going on with you and to validate like the shared experience of other people. Mm -hmm. Um, 
want to belong to a community right like right right like the the guy i was talking about yesterday i told him i'd probably talk about him on the podcast so he said it was okay but i've like literally never seen someone like so happy to be diagnosed with autism in my entire life like it was like genuine like joy like i went home like on a high because this individual was like so happy but it's just like he was just like i felt like all the pieces coming together finally you know mm-hmm. like he was like defining things like masking and um pathological demand avoidance and, like all of these things that like he wasn't like using those words but as a clinician when you're like this is so cool because they're like describing things that exactly. like i can help them piece together yeah. like that's where diagnosing is fun or you know like beneficial yeah. or whatever when I'm like, do they have ADHD and binge eating or is it just binge eating? Like, I'm like, let's yeah. just treat you because we need yeah. to get this under control. And I think it is, it can be so validating too when, um, you know, we're talking with clients that are describing their binge eating disorder and just be like, it's, there's such a, a strange thing in the uh, physical me- medical health field where it's like binge eating disorder is not a thing. You just need to stop eating. And when you're talking to someone who's like, oh, my ADHD is causing me to try to self-stimulate and I'm doing that by eating copious amounts of calories I and mean, I think I was on like 8,000 calories a day because I just couldn't stop eating that like they there's this like validation of them of like oh I'm I, it's not something I that would just like I can stop I like mm-hmm. I, maybe I need medication maybe I need therapy you know maybe I need a nutritionist like so mm-hmm. I, it's always validating to see someone be like oh great my doctor just was wrong in saying that I just have to stop right just right. Stop. right this is a problem yeah yeah it's not drugs, yeah. right? Like, like when we're, we have to eat, you know, we don't have to, um, you know, do recreational drugs to mm-hmm. live, but we have to eat to live. So that's kind of always a, right. a mind practice to be able, well, then just like, don't eat as much or stop eating. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, baby, I could like quantify, qualify anything to be with yeah. eat just a burger. I'd be like, well, you know, if I didn't eat that many calories yesterday, I'm starving. I need another I need a fifth burger, you know, right, like, right. Yeah. I mean, I worked at an eating disorder program for a couple of years and I see eating disorder clients and you'd really be surprised how many eating issues you could pass over. If you don't ask specific questions about eating during an evaluation, like it's very rare that someone will bring them up on their own. Even yeah. so like when I'm assessing for ADHD, like I'm always asking questions about eating number one, because I ask questions about eating anyway, number two, because the medication can affect your appetite, but number three, because there's such a high co-occurrence rate and people aren't usually like, you know, and sometimes I just eat 10,000 calories in one sitting because sometimes it's so impulsive. People don't even realize what they're doing. I- I, yeah, I had no idea. I, until one day I was talking to my co-teacher and this was before I even moved to Pennsylvania. And I kept saying how much weight I've gained. I've just gained so much weight. And it had been over the course of like a, like a two months or so. And I wrote on the whiteboard, the students had to left for the day. We were talking, I wrote down, well, okay, I had breakfast. I had lunch with class or with the AM class, lunch with the PM class, snack. If I go home and eat this, I just like, and like, by the time I left work, I was having like 4,000 calories. And I was like, and that wasn't even before I got home and had my second dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's kind of, it's wild. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, so another one of the questions was about um, set, uh, how to like keep a regular eating schedule after you start medication. And I think, I mean, you, you're probably better answering this. Like, it is a common occurrence 
from the medication, that appetite would decrease. Not in mm-hmm. everyone, but it's a pretty common. In most people. Yeah. Um, and some people, it's like, it's some people, it's very different for. Like for me on the medication, you, you know this, I have to, uh, I have to do the arm. The arms work for me on my phone to, to eat because I don't feel hungry ever. It's like way evening. We're talking like 11 o'clock at night. Um, so what, what would you suggest someone does if they don't want to use an arm for eating schedule? So I think there's a lot of stuff with eating. Number one, like in general, I, my philosophy is intuitive eating, like in general for, for everyone, including eating disorder treatment, intuitive eating gets messed with by ADHD medication. So, Mm -hmm. you know, especially when I'm very carefully managing ADHD and my eating disorder clients, you really have to figure out like, how do you balance what you're trying to teach people, which is eat when you're hungry with you need this medication in order to function. So you might not feel hungry, but you still need to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I try to describe it like, you know, we need to make sure that you're nourishing your body and maintaining your weight and not losing weight as a byproduct of this medication. So, um, I have them like eat, well, working with their dietitian, if they have one, you know, eat scheduled meals, mm-hmm. um, at the times where they would be hungry, like without the medication. I mean, it's absolutely a challenge for people with eating disorders yes. in particular. It's a challenge. I think that having your ADHD symptoms treated and the functional impact that has a lot of times is enough to motivate individuals to maintain their weight and to take the steps you know, to make sure yeah. that you're eating enough. Um, but, and I also think there's a subtype of ADHD where you're so hyperactive and distracted that you don't eat without medicine because it's just like not your priority. And you're like, I don't have time for this. I'm doing this, 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 and this. So I think some people are able to like slow down and actually eat, yep. um, you know, regardless of whether the medicine's making them hungry or not. Um, I mean, I've been on medicine since I was 20 years old. So like the appetite suppression is long gone for me. So, you know, we're intuitive eating all day, every day, but, um, you know, there are times that it is problematic. And so I always recommend, um, you know, supplements like boost with protein or like any like high caloric value, um, supplement, uh, because weight maintenance is really like the goal, you know? It is. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think, I think it's difficult to, like we said, depend on the binge eating, right? Because when I went from eating 8,000 some calories a day to um, be on on a medication that was like, Hey, it's okay to, you know, we'll we'll start you a little higher. Cause I I work in the nutritionist that was like, let's a healthy diet would be less than this, but we're going to start you at like 2,500, which we want to get down from there, but we're cutting from eight to 25. And even then I think we upped it because I had lost like 20 pounds in a month. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah. 3,400 calories is one pound. So when you're cutting, we go from 8,000 well, calories, it's like, you know. I mean, I think with binge eating disorder, we can like reliably say there's going to be a lot of people who lose weight because, you know, I've had people eating like three cartons of ice cream in the parking lot before they go into work. Like, you yeah. know, that's a very sad disorder for sure. Yeah. But when you're not eating three gallons of ice cream, 
for breakfast, you're going to lose weight. That's just like the yeah. reality yeah. of it. And um, that was my favorite, the ice cream, the ice cream mm-hmm. every night. I treated myself to a carton, not a yeah. carton, because I was like, we're living through a pandemic, people. We got to treat yes. ourselves. Like, yeah. Napolitan ice cream, just like, yeah. Nonstop in my in my stupid little mouth. Oh, Neapolitan. I would not choose that. I don't know why. It was because I was like, you know what? I can have three flavors instead of one because then I don't have, to have three cartons. I can just have one carton because oh. I was skinny. Okay. No. <laughs> um, this is actually one of my favorite things in ADHD to talk about. What? Um, talking about ADHD and emotional re- dysregulation. Because <laughs> if you if you, we if we think about ADHD and we think about tasks, right, and the inability to do a task, or we said even start a task, take that same concept about like knowing that you have to have a discussion about, you know, being frustrated that your significant other isn't like you know doing their end of chores or being uh, annoyed because you want to have a conversation but your your you know uh, spouse is won't stop talking about something that happened during their day and you can't pay attention to that because you're unfocused you just need to talk about you know the the amount of emotional dysregulation that I didn't know about myself thinking that I was like I'm just depressed well I thought I was bipolar but I'm just like <laughs> or, or depressed or or having a manic episode and um to know it, it wasn't those things is mind-boggling because I would like I, I think I always tell the story. I listened to the Taylor Swift 10 minute version of All Too Well for the first yeah. time. And by the end of the run, I, I listened to it on loop just 10 minutes for like, I don't know, an hour. And I go back in and I'm like mad at my husband. I don't know why. I had this emotional experience and I could not regulate, but I was like, I'm mad that you were my 21st birthday, Jason. I didn't know <laughs> you then. But I was so pissed off. And there was like so many times that I would just, I was so angry or upset or sad. And I didn't even know how to deal with it because I, if I don't want to deal with the task, if I can't put in the energy to deal with that task, I cannot put in the energy to facilitate these emotions right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Emotional regulation was never my strong suit. And I think I shared in the last podcast that when I first started treatment for ADHD, people were like, you're so calm. You're so happy. And that like people like did not ever say that about me. And it's taken like me a really long time for like to even accept in a professional setting, people like complimenting me for being calm because that was never me ever. Mm -hmm. And so like a lot of times I'll get like feedback in like in professional settings, like, how do you like stay so calm and like your emotions don't change when this happens and whatever. And I'm like, Botox, number one, (laughs) you just can't see it. (laughs) Yeah. You can see it. Um, but number two, I mean, it being treated for ADHD regulates my emotions in a very significant way. Um, and I mean, it makes sense at like a neurotransmitter level because with ADHD, like your brain's like random firing, right? And then you're getting like a controlled release delivered to your brain with the medication. So your brain's like, okay, I don't have to randomly fire as much. And so you get that like calming. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not saying my mood's like a hundred percent regulated now, but sister, we're doing better than we were at ADHD. The other day I was thinking to myself, I want to know if they could like put like people next to each other of the same age and <clears throat> have the same like life experiences or maybe I don't know but I want to know what the like facial wrinkle lines are for someone with ADHD versus someone who's not because I feel like um with this 
like hyperactivity and like uh, dysregulation of emotions, like we probably do so much with our face. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? So I wonder if like our laugh lines or like our curves like our oh. laugh are deeper than. Yeah. Literally when I was like in my mid twenties, I was, I was um, on the executive board of, of an organization and like we would have these like executive team meetings and the CEO of the company like pulled me aside once and was like, you really need to work on your facial expressions during meetings. And I was like, okay. And then I started getting Botox when I was like 26 because I had, I've always had these like three little wrinkle lines and like, I'm not even kidding. Six months later, she complimented me. Like you've been doing such a good job. You in did meetings. The work. And I was like, this is such a great idea. Um, but you're so right. Because then one time when I was getting Botox, the doctor, we see the same doctor, but he was like, I think that you're getting lines down here because you're always making that like face where like, I can't do it now. Cause I have Botox, but like where you're like frowning with your mouth, you know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. I can't do that. Now. But yeah, like that. And Colleen was like, <laughs> you literally do that all the time. I was like, well, Jason calls them my my Betty lips. My mom's name was Betty. <laughs> when my mom was getting mad or when she was like going to say something like off, just completely unhinged, she'd go, like she'd pucker her lips and she wouldn't know she was doing it. So she, she had like massive, I mean, she smoked too, but she had like massive wrinkles around um, oh her lips. She, she <laughs> her lips. You know, she was about to like read you to fill. When my mom, she was about to read it. Library was open, just go going down. Oh my God, Betty. Betty. It was, um, so I and I thought of the the wrinkle thing because yesterday um someone's like what what can I do so I don't have wrinkles on my forehead I'm like I don't know they're like what, like what can I, that's not Botox I'm like I don't know I do Botox <laughs> like oh well can you still like move your forehead I said yeah and they go show me and I and I went to go move my eyebrows and they're like so you can't <laughs> I was like I could <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's ADHD is very emotional yeah I mean, I literally had wrinkles like in my early twenties, like yeah. because I would frown all the time. Right, it's expressive like, for the most part. I don't, yeah. Um, so there's like a few like really, really, really good ones. Um, treatment for ADHD that isn't medication, uh, I think isn't impossible. I think it's just, um. And like some people can't be like, there's, I mean, there's a bunch of different medications. There's some medications out there. Like we've talked about that aren't stimulants. Right. Um, but I think it's just one of those things where it's, it's, you can, you can try different things, right. You can see a nutritionist about the um, binge eating. If you have that, you can see a drug counselor. If you have any substance bonding, you can see a therapist if, to go through some of those, like, um, sorry, symptoms or things that you are, you know, the, dis the emotional dysregulation, but um, I think at the end of the day, like I'm never going to push medication on someone. Um, I do think for me, it made, I, I, I could not function without it. And it's not like this, like weird, unhealthy dependency on it. It's just my, my brain chemistry is just made up so much so that if I didn't have the medication, I could not be a functioning person at mm -hmm. all. I wasn't a functioning person before that. I was crippled yeah. with, like, I shouldn't say that. I was riddled with anxiety. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things to treat is ADHD in, like, older teenagers and adults because it makes such a huge functional impact so fast. Like, yeah. I saw this doctor, well, I still see this doctor, but um, as a patient, and they had, 
like every symptom of ADHD, but we're talking like middle-aged at this point. And Mm -hmm. so we started treating for ADHD and they were like, I cannot believe that this is what my brain was supposed to be like this whole time, you know? And I had to convince them to take it during like non-clinic days because they only wanted to take it like when, um, seeing patients but I was like just try on the other days and see like how much of a difference it makes with like other areas of life and they were like I can't even believe you know what what a difference this is and that a lot of times it's that like brain quiet yes is what what I get from people but I've honestly had people that were like having suicidal ideation like related to their mood and anxiety and you know like because they're like in high school and this has been going on for like six years and they've been treated for depression and anxiety and mood and whatever. And no one said like, maybe it's ADHD because a lot of times if people aren't failing school, like, why are Mm -hmm. we going to think it's ADHD? Right. If they look worried, if they look sad, if they're moody, but they're still getting, you know, like B's, even C's or even A's, like there are people that still get straight A's. Um, We're not like, Oh, maybe it's an attention deficit. You know, but you really have to like go under the surface and get at like all of those like key assessment points and go back into childhood and ask the parents questions and try to get at that because we're really doing a disservice to people by thinking that if someone's not getting up and out of their seat and being redirected every five seconds for talking too much and, you know, failing school, like Mm -hmm. that's not what ADHD looks like. Sure. There are kids that that happens with, but. I think as a teacher, you probably will know what I'm talking about, but this, I see this all the time. You have a kid that's like super charming Mm -hmm. and like very friendly and positive, whatever they are disrupt disruptive in class, but they're never labeled as disruptive. So Mm -hmm. like the parents aren't getting feedback, like your kid's disruptive because he's likable, right? He's like enjoyable. So like teachers have kids that are disruptive in a negative way so like any disruption that's positive isn't Mm -hmm. something where we're like well that's problematic we just stop to like laugh at how charming you are right you know what I mean um which makes sense like if you're a teacher why would you be like let's create you know more problems than we need so like I totally get that but in terms of like when parents are like well no because teachers never told me that it was an issue I'm like, well, also like teachers have like 10 bajillion students and they can't do like private psych evals on all of them. So at baseline, all a teacher can do is try to manage their classroom, right? And I think it's (laughs) one of those things where it's like, um, even a disruptive behavior, like that's positive, it's going to go missed, right? And and we put a lot of that pressure. And I will say like a lot of the ADHD symptoms that we're going to see in kids will probably present themselves oh maybe a lot more at school than they would potentially at home at home you can you know well they're hyper because they're out of school and and you know um but I think like you said it's difficult when it's a charming or not a necessary uh you know negative disruption mm-hmm what was that it died <laughs> Is the sound super different? You sound loud. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You sound like louder, actually. I can't. We'll try this for a little bit. If you, if, if I sound different, we'll have the editor make it sound 
better, but I am, um, my headset died. It is very loud to me now because what I liked about these is they were noise canceling. <laughs> this is Tell's ADHD. When we're filming a podcast, either his phone dies, runs out of um, memory storage. He forgets to turn it on. The headphones die and he forgot a microphone cord. Um, I'm going to show you all. I brought the microphone. Okay. I brought the headset cord that goes with it. And I brought the adapter. I didn't bring the plug. And this was because by the time of day, it, it this was last Thursday, so almost a week ago, I uh, got to the office, saw a bunch of clients, and then I drove from uh, like downtown Pennsylvania to Middlebury, Indiana. It is one road on the toll road. It's like nine hours. And I was like, you know what? I'll, my medicine's worn out. Not enough to make me go like sleepy, but enough that I had no attention. So the fact that I even remembered the microphone and all that is shocking. Well, you only remembered it because I was on your ass about something with the podcast. And you were like, oh, you said the microphone. Oh, you said, um, do I need the adapter to this too? And I was like, yeah. And then I was like, oh, fuck, that reminded me. Grab the microphone. And so I did. But I also like have this great fear of like forgetting to blow out a candle or anything like that. And so like I have like now like a little checklist on my phone that's like candle question mark, locked door question mark. Like, <laughs> um, I need to put like cord question mark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're not gonna do a lot of virtual, virtual ones. So yeah. I'm sorry if the mic's messed up now, guys. <laughs> um no, we were talking about the kids though. I feel like um yeah, the, the 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 fun, charming, uh, maybe rambunctious with the one was with the one-liners in between each thing you say, mm-hmm. like it's a fun moment, right? And I think as teachers, especially in the classroom, we, we like hang on to that mm-hmm. uh, because we do like are just at this point just like reaching for anything that is, mm-hmm. you know, rewarding in the classroom. Um, but unfortunately, it's for, it's those kids that like then they go, God, forever without without a diagnosis, mm-hmm. and I. I mean, we talked about the complications. My God, it could be an entire freaking episode of uh, mm-hmm. having ADHD, being diagnosed with ADHD, not knowing I had ADHD. Um, mm-hmm. But no, that was that was a a beast um, in school. Mm-hmm. I floundered. I floundered with grades. Um, I couldn't pay attention. I just thought, oh, I'm just not. I'm just not that smart, I guess. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, taking medication and graduating summa cum laude, and you know, going on to an advanced standing graduate program, and you know. Mm-hmm. near getting a perfect gpa there it's like oh no it i just can pay attention and now mm-hmm. it's that brain quiet it's like the mm-hmm. thunder stopped in my head <laughs> yeah i feel like we've answered like no questions i know all we do is talk maybe we should try to like rapid fire answer a few all right Ooh, that'd be good honomi yeah isn't that isn't there like a name for that when you like rapid fire answer questions or was that like a game show or something did i make that up can we feud no, not yeah. at all. Not, not even close. What? Yeah, when they say name something that's purple, and you say yellow. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess Ruby, say hello. Rubison. You miss Uncle Tell. Oh, I will poop I'll in be... your office for you. Yeah, I'll do a I, poop. I can't wait. Ruby um, loves pooping in Tell's office. She will like scratch at the door when I get to the office, and usually I'm at the office like. 20 minutes before a client comes in if not less than that um so i like run to the office and like you know set it up and um answer a few emails or check the schedule and i can hear her just scratch down there's a couple times i've been like okay like i have some time and i'll let her out and she like it's like i always feel like she's gonna come right up to me but like, you're here but she's like i could cross past me 
and to goes the carpet smells and then she just like poops in there yeah i'm like, good thanks oh my god tell came up to me uh, like a little after we got ruby and he's like do we have mice and i was like what are you talking about he's like i found this poop on my carpet like if we have a mouse that's shitting out a poop that size like it's we rat. have a huge problem it's we have a, a rat, rat possum it, a rat possum is that you said or problem yeah i had a rat possum in my garage once it was it was bad i named him charlie it was really traumatic what is a rat possum well, it was a giant rat that had a possum-like tail, so I call it a rat possum. Oh my god, I thought there was like, you know, like the the um stingray that mm-hmm. they think is having shark babies. Mhm. Well, the exterminator told me it was a cross between a rat and a possum, but then I looked it up and it said that that's impossible. So, I feel as if I was lied to, but um he did eat like all of my Michael Kors purses in the garage, so He's that a was rat. Yeah, it was it was just a bad scene. That was like ADHD to the max. Like if that tells you, you should be organized in your garage minimally, like please learn from Charlie because he dined on Michael Kors for months before I even realized it. And he ate, he ate mama. Oh, those rat's nests he made with that leather luggage, classic Michael Kors leather. I can't. He's like a Michelin star restaurant here. Oh my gosh. The best. And now he's like, I'm, he's probably somewhere eating like, oh, he did. Oh, he did. Yeah. It was, Charlie was not leaving that garage alive. Oh, that's not even really, I, I, let's not even talk about it, but it, it ended badly under a bush for, you you just like Charlie. I mean, I had to like walk down the street because ironically the exterminator was there. It must've been like mere moments after the Charlie ate the rat poison. So oh. he wasn't like dead yet. And the exterminator was like, you might want to walk away for this. And I see him like take something out of his bag. And I was like, oh my God, he's going to beat this rat to death. So I was like running down the sidewalk to miss it. It was bad. Like, I don't even like killing bugs. So like, that was hard for me, but Charlie did ruin like a lot of stuff. So, well, and honestly, I I don't think rats can probably do leather. Like that probably isn't good for them. Oh no. Rats can do a lot. Do you know that rats can chew through like metal and drywall? Like all I would visualize is like Charlie coming through my dining room and like just seeing one of my cats, like with Charlie in his mouth someday. But honestly, Charlie would have probably eaten one of my cats because charlie was huge yeah 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 charlie even somehow got through the um what do they put in it that like metal mesh stuff that's supposed to keep rats out but whatever it was charlie was like this is not enough for me i'm chewing through it charlie got back in that garage he was like michael i am still on this runway (laughs) tyra bing said yes ma'am yeah she said you are still here for another week yep um I don't even know how we got onto that topic but that was very ADHD I just now I can think of it as like ratatouille eating a Michael Kors bag I mean it was just and if that's not reason enough to get up in the morning I don't know what I know I, I know <laughs> I know um okay so okay one of the things is just like some one of the things was just a funny question is have you ever walked into a room and forgot why you were went in there um yes that's literally a thousand times a day yeah even on medications gotten better, but like my, my poor husband, he does this thing. And I always thought it was him being rude, but it was him trying to help me. Um, it is exhausting when I have to leave the house because I will forget my keys. I'll forget my wallet. I'll forget my watch. I'll forget where my phone is. I'll forget everything in my life. I go back and forth 
from you know downstairs back up to leave and so if i'm going somewhere with my husband he'll sit down and let me run around like, like you know a mad woman um and then he'll get up he'll say are you ready i say yep and he'll like guide me out the door like oh he just and he's like and just keeps guiding me just keeps like nope nope <laughs> oh wait you know we just leave and he'll shut the door behind us and i'm like okay like it used to give me so much anxiety at first and i'm just like if he doesn't do that i would quite literally be an hour plus late to everything in my life and it wasn't me being a jerk i just could not get out of this mm-hmm. cycle of like i'm always gonna forget something or have to do this real quick oh for sure i mean it's to the point where like i will audibly like i'll go upstairs and i'll i'll be like why did i come up here why did i come up here? why did i come up here and it like takes me a bit like oh, to yeah. get to it yeah you know? Or like I'll misplace something like I will have just put down a pair of scissors and I'm like oh my god where'd my scissors go which is like horrible for a crafter like my projects probably take like three times as long because I lose every object I'm using multiple times throughout the process yeah sorry sorry like I need like 10 pairs of scissors at any given time it's oh yeah so scissors are always scissors and stick glue for me even as a, a a teacher like I would have so many of those like in my desk and I'm talking like adult like five or six adult scissors like locked in the front of my desk and then just an entire pack of glue sticks to myself and I'm not kidding by like week two I was like running to the art area to grab child size scissors and they're like crusty stick glue to try to make something real quick because it was it was always lost always lost mm-hmm. Which is probably like mm-hmm. not a great idea to, you know, lose adult scissors in a, you know, classroom. Right. But, you know, say la vie. Uh, right. <laughs> I'm on ADHD meds now. Um, so th- I love that this was a question that was paired right with the walk-in room. Um, supporting partners with ADHD. Um, <laughs> my husband's great at it. My husband also has ADHD. So <laughs> I think a lot of it. Um, one, I don't know how our house functioned without medication and us being in therapy. Um, we, I see a therapist Tuesday. I think he sees his therapist Thursday and we're both on medication. Um, everything was like, not even a fight was like an argument because we were completely misunderstanding the other one or like couldn't make decisions, which we still can't like dinner is always a struggle. Cause I'm like, what do you want for dinner? I know. What do you want for dinner? I'm like, this will go on for like an hour. Like mm-hmm. sometimes we'll just, uh, use like a like a wheel spinner thing on like an app to fa- figure it out, or what we'll, like, randomly text someone like one of our friends or one of my sisters to be like, between these two things, what should we have for, you know for dinner, or just pick one and we'll tell them what it's for. Um, I think it's, I don't know. I think I think just coming at it from a place of empathy. Um, like as works went to you, imagine that your like brain is like a constant thunderstorm, um, and how exhausting that would be day to day life. You know, trying to um attend to someone's conversation like I I think a lot of the ADHD symptoms can look like um being aloof or being disingenuine to your partner and I can guarantee you that that's really not what's going on with them they they're they're this dissociated with everyone in their life like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. well yeah I mean I asked Colleen like in preparation for the podcast I was like what do you hate most about my ADHD and I already knew what she was going to say but she was like that you never listen but like you just I feel like you just need to know that you should say things to me like three to four times and like it's not like don't take it personally it's just like literally I've already brain dumped what you said the Mm -hmm. first time and I like maybe like half remember it um and sometimes I just brain dump the whole thing. Like, I'll be like, you never told me that. And she's like, I absolutely told you that. And I'm like, no, you didn't. 
but luckily we have like cameras all over our house so that if we lose one of the cats we can like identify whether they got out a door or not so like you know she can like prove to me like see you i did say that i'm like oh whoops that's i don't know why i have this memory but jason i do the same thing because jason has like i usually remember quite a bit actually that's not, usually the issues jason forgetting and so i don't i've oh i've always been like this it is the strangest thing ever but i can generally recall a conversation down to where we were at when we had it um and so jason will be like you never told me that we had dinner with you know so-and-so on Tuesday I'm like yeah I did we were driving to Michael's to go get shirts and we were under the underpass thing and we were talking about like oh there was a car accident back there and I said hey we're gonna do this and Jason will be like yeah that sounds right but like <laughs> I don't know why I've always been able to so I'm like no we did have this conversation I'm gonna tell you exactly how and I think he gets so defeated when I do that because I remember such niche things about like and after that you farted and so I rolled down the window and you're Ooh, this is gonna be a bad one and he was like how do you like, I, just, I have that recall now with some things like um is I think for the most part, then when someone's like, so remember we said this, we said we do this. I'm like, I totally, I don't remember this. Mm -hmm. Probably should because I could probably tell you where the conversation happened and if you farted. So yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull up the rapid. Yeah, rapid fire. I'm right. gonna look at my schedule book real quick while I do that. Um, you know, because I have ADHD and never know what I'm doing. Oh man, I'm gonna be. I feel like. I feel so, like we need shirts that just say like because I have ADHD. That's right. like our that's what we say to everything. It's because I have ADHD, okay? Yeah. I mean, you know what though? Here's the thing about us: we do talk between each one, but I think when doing that, we answer the questions that someone else had. That's true. Um, someone did ask about the um. Uh, I'm gonna see exactly how they phrased it. Well, they, they asked, how can ADHD present as a ASD, autism spectrum disorder? And oh, loaded. Yeah, we talked about, we talked about it a little bit, but we didn't necessarily say like, and this is also a symptom or, you know, a, a sign of, but um, a lot, like, I, the way that my therapist described it was that um, they're both, uh, what it, we call them, AM. Uh, neurospice they're both a neurodiverse uh, uh neurodevelopmental uh, disorder and so he had said that um asd and adhd are less of two separate circles and more of a venn diagram mm -hmm. yeah and um when he said that and then he handed me a, a a pretty large book on it there's so much commonality between the two so much commonality between the two because if you think about like let's just take like the social aspect of both for example if you think about not being able to attend to conversation because your mind is moving so quickly and it's either maybe bored with the person's conversation or you're thinking about xyz um or you interrupt constantly those are going to look like symptoms of like um difficulty socializing you know which is also an asd oh that's a good one we didn't mention the interrupting frequently yeah like and then you know or uh yeah in line it looks like that you maybe need help with like um learning some of those like societal i do both of those things like i like as a kid i felt like looking back i would i was always like kids would be my friends have a, a a speech disorder and like they can't understand me and i think some of it was like also i was just interrupting all the time i was just taking toys out of kids hands i wasn't able to stay in the line and it wasn't i mean it was both asd and adhd i just was like oh, i i i want this i'm gonna just go boop and a boop and Mm -hmm. I, there's a 
that like not a thousand i mean maybe i who knows of similarities between the two and how it can, both can present as the other mm-hmm. way more commonly i think yeah I, I mean and they both very often co-occur i think probably mm-hmm. individuals with asd have adhd more often than individuals with adhd have asd but um i think it's very nuanced um and the greatest recommendation i have is to go to a skilled evaluator who can parse it apart for you because there's a lot of quote unquote like tests that you can do but most if not all are designed for research and like are screening in nature not diagnostic So it's really about like having a real like clinical interview and history done and like someone understanding you and your personality, behavior, functioning, social capacity, like all of those things that go into it. Um, And I think that's like the best way I can't just like sit there and like look at one of your screening questionnaires and be like you have autism but I can like do a two-hour diagnostic interview with you and probably tell you with a good amount of certainty that I think that's what's going on and like is ADHD happening also a lot of times sure I mean it's very rare I'll see someone with ASD that wasn't treated for ADHD at some point though we could do a whole other podcast on how I think ADHD meds affect people with ASD differently but um Yeah. I mean, I would focus less on differentiating between the two and more on just like getting an accurate diagnosis of like what's going on with you. And I think you said something super important because, um, like my, my sister, um, and you know, we talk about this and I talked to her about talking about this on the podcast. Um, so she recently was diagnosed with, um, ADHD and, um, one of the things she said was like, I'm, I'm really nervous to go in because historically one women are severely undiagnosed with um, ADHD because of research and our understanding of it. But um, she was talking to me about uh, going in that she had taken a screening before going so that, you know, it, it, it I was like, it, it's, I mean, I told her, I was like, I'm so glad that you did that. I feel like with some doctors, they'll be like, they want this diagnosis rather than the patient who's coming in saying I took this screening because I was I'm hoping it validates that you will sit down and listen to me because I took this and this is you know this was the outcome of it I think screenings are really important for us too because it can allow us to then take those first steps to say hey I this might be silly or you know I I took this screening and and you know it said that I could have this can we can we talk about it and I think that's Mm -hmm. always like a, a fantastic thing I think it's also important to note that some of these screenings though um may exhibit may show the signs of ADHD but maybe it's not ADHD maybe it's bipolar maybe it's mm-hmm. BPD, um or maybe it's all three you know right. what I mean it's just like right. it's a place to but start. that's why it's a screening and not a diagnostic tool so as clinicians we're the ones that are supposed to take an individual's screening results and say okay based upon these results should I be asking more questions about this particular diagnosis or can I reliably exclude this as a diagnosis. And I would argue in a lot of cases, ADHD is going to produce a positive mood disorder questionnaire, which is probably why a lot of people get diagnosed with bipolar instead of ADHD. But the mood disorder questionnaire is also screening. And the MDQ is real. What it's really good at is telling people if you don't have bipolar disorder. So like, if you don't have anything on this list, there's like a 90% chance that you don't have 
bipolar disorder, but it's not great at saying if you do screen positive on this, then you do have bipolar disorder. It's like, okay, you need to ask more questions, but you need to ask more questions about a lot of other things right. too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause a lot of times on the MDQ, it, it's geared mostly towards like mania um, or hypomanic type symptoms. And sometimes people with ADHD just like have them at baseline in like some, you know, moderate degree, not like in an episodic fashion. Yeah. But you'll still screen positive on the screening test. It's again, screens are tough. And I'm, I, I feel like there is great use for them. I took screenings, you know, like to kind of, for me to be like, ah, oh, I think maybe I should go get reevaluated. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I send excessive I amounts of screenings to my patients before yeah. a psych eval. I think because I think it gives us a good idea of where to start at, right, or mm -hmm. where to at least start digging and looking because a psych eval can take two hours, it can take eight hours, right? Like in by right, right. at a time, you can kind of narrow. Right. Some and sometimes it comes up with stuff that I would have never like expected given the rest of the clinical profile. But like there was this one question in this one screening test that they answered in this way. And I'm like, all right, we got to like go down that rabbit yep. hole. Yep. Um, this is a, a this is one that people don't talk a lot about. And so I, I saw it and I thought, oh, I like that. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Um, but someone had asked if we can talk about ADHD and intimacy because it's very hard for them, like physical intimacy. And that is um, something that uh, is, I feel like pretty common because if you're uh, having difficulty, well, there's a couple of things. If you're having a difficulty paying attention, it'll be very hard, I think during intimate moments for you to be attentive to both yourself and your partner. Um, but I also think uh, it could, it, you know, when, if you can imagine that your brain is so overstimulated that taking, um, uh, a prescription medicine that's a stimulant calms your brain down. I think that should give an example of how overactive our brains are. So if your brain is also overactive, some people, like we had talked about substance bonding, people do anything with ADHD, when they, especially when they've had it undiagnosed for years, to stimulate them, their mind enough. So I think that you can have, again, like anything, just opposite end of that spectrum. You can have someone that's um, almost like frozen in anxiety because they can't pay you know attention enough to have intimate physical connection. And then we have the other side of the spectrum where people are frequently having intimate um, uh, connection with others and, and relationships because like it stimulates them enough that like for a moment it quiets their mind. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think that it can be very difficult. And also um, I don't know how common knowledge this is, but a lot of the ADHD medications can cause sexual dysfunction, um, particularly in men. Um, and there's actually a very like sad percentage of individuals who experience sexual side effects from medication that never mention it to their providers. Mm -hmm. Um, so I try to specifically ask about sexual side effects, but for anyone out there that's having any and is on medicine, definitely ask about it because, um, there's plenty of stuff that we can do, but it's yeah. super common with ADHD medications, especially yeah. with men. Yeah. And if you like, um, I've had quite a bit of clients recently um, and some of our clients that have been more recently diagnosed um, with ADHD. And uh, I always start my, I only work with adults um, in therapy. Uh, so when, uh, if an adult comes up to me and says, Hey, like I'm having, I'm started medication for this. And um, 
I, we've been able to do a lot of like non-medication treatment for the most part that's worked. So like, I don't want people to feel like, oh, I have to get on another med. Um, sometimes you do, um, but- Oh, rarely. I think we can yeah, usually yeah. fix it. Yeah. With the clients I've had, we've been able to figure out ways that their them and their their partner or partners can um, work around, which has been you know great for them. But it is it's something that you're right, doesn't talked about a lot because I think there's like a- um, I mean, listen, if people are having a hard time talking to their, uh, you know, uh, mental health providers about ADHD, mm-hmm. if that was a year's thing in the making, they sure as hell are not going to open their mouth in like two weeks and be like, okay, I'm having a sexual dysfunction now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that a lot of it is like, oh, we've had quite a bit of clients talk to us about this. We've had quite a bit of, com- of, of clients talk to us about it. So I think that's great that um, if you're listening and you're like a provider to have that openness with your clients off the bat so they feel like they can discuss it with you um, because there is nothing worse to than maybe a client who um, has been able to um, engage in intimacy or was incredibly um, uh, like hyperactive in a, not a necessary bad way with intimacy and then it crashes on medication because not only is it difficult for them but if they have a partner they the partner might be okay is it me did, that, did something happen right, right. Um, yeah I think there's just needs to be a, a bigger openness about the sexual side effects that can come with yeah yeah and I mean I think it's a lot being like comfortable with your provider finding a provider that you're comfortable with yeah if you're a doctor or therapist or nurse practitioner nurse practitioner is um and I was on the side of nurse practitioner but it's fine if they're (laughs) if if they're not willing to have these conversations with you it might be time to reevaluate um your relationship with them because yeah. One of my patients this morning was like, when I look for providers, I try to see if they have tattoos. And if they do, then I know that's someone I would want to see. And I was like, oh, I should make sure Tell and I have our tattoos on display on the website just so that everyone knows. Like, maybe we should put that in our bio. We do have tattoos. Amory has about 47,000 piercings in her ears. Um, yeah. So they know I had a, I had a uh, intake the other day. Um, someone messaged me. They were out of state, so couldn't see them. But they said that they were looking for an LGBTQ uh, therapist, not because they were queer, but because their brother was. And they couldn't imagine going to anyone that wouldn't have been supportive of their sibling. And I was like, oh, my God, that's Aww. really sweet. <laughs> yeah. We have, like, I think answered. We got, like I said, four or 500 questions. We have a lot of them answered that that we did it organically in conversation. Um, there's a bunch of like ones that we could probably cover even in a second episode. Like if people are sitting here being like, well, I had this, 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 and this, like comment it. But I feel like um, a really good one of ending it was the first question that we got in this entire thing was, oh. how do I get tested? Oh. Um, yeah. Good. So, oh. My answer to this might be different than a lot of other providers, but, um, I, there is a lot of like, quote unquote, like formal testing you can do, which is great. Um, and you can certainly like look up, you know, formal testing for ADHD. I do it based on a diagnostic interview, which is, you know, like our gold standard, basically, if you meet the criteria, you meet the criteria. So, um, in terms of getting tested, um, I would recommend that you find a psychiatric provider, whether it be a psychiatric nurse practitioner, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, um, anyone whose degree like allows them to diagnose. 
um, and like find someone that you're comfortable with because it needs to be someone who's going to listen to you. And the best way to get the most accurate diagnosis is if you feel comfortable with the person and they're able to hear you and you're able to accurately share what's going on with you. Um, because that's where you're going to really get like the comprehensive care versus like, do you check off these boxes on a list and get a diagnosis? Um, because a lot happens after you get a diagnosis too. Like I could diagnose people all day long, but like, am I going to get them to feel better? Like that's the hard part. Yeah. And I think like, like, like finding the provider is always difficult. And I get that too. And I think that just like having an honest conversation, right? Like I worked at a community health center and so um, we're doing community mental health is difficult because you have your entry level therapist, which I was, um, having to start that diagnostic process and then hand our findings over to a psychiatrist who we had to see, I think for two sessions before you could schedule. So there was at least two out, well, technically three with an intake, three hours of conversation between the, a therapist and, and the client underway to then hand off to a psychiatrist who sometimes would see you for 15 minutes to give you a diagnosis. So if 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 you're doing the community health route, and that's really how all a lot of it looks, is you see a therapist for a while before you see the psychiatrist, have a very honest talk with that with therapist because they could say to the psychiatrist, hey, um, in the six hours that we've met over the last month, um, this is what I've seen, this is what I exhibited, this is the direction maybe you should go for your 15-minute diagnostic, which is wild to me. But that's mental health, baby. Like, it's community I mental know. health. Um, I, like I said, I, I find that um, both in my uh, like physical health and my mental health, I see nurse practitioners. Um, I've always seen one for physical health after uh, I was a teenager and was misdiagnosed. Um, and I think a lot of it is just the attentiveness and the willingness to listen that I don't think that medical uh, PCPs are always able to offer. And I feel like it's just the empathy that that nurse practitioners have um, over. Um, and I think psychiatrists are great. I think psychiatrists are amazing when they're able to offer the time. The training is just different. And I think it's you're more likely to find it with a nurse practitioner than to be able to sort out like where are those good physicians that have the same traits as like a nurse practitioner because in order to like get through nursing school to begin with and be a nurse you have to have a lot of those traits at baseline that you don't necessarily have to have to get through medical school um and don't get me wrong in individuals without those traits who are in medicine are 100 needed like i want that person like operating on my intestines if i'm having surgery or something but um Otherwise, you know, the, those physicians definitely exist. It's just like in less frequent numbers because number one, there's a physician shortage, but number two, like there's a lot of people that are not, you know, they just don't have the same personality traits as you might have going into nursing and, you know, changing people's bedpans and giving them sponge baths and all of those things that require lots of empathy. It builds. It builds the empathy. It really does. I mean, I just, we put in our time, man. Yeah. Okay. Everyone's done the bed baths. Yeah. I have not. Oh, well, I, I mean, you're not, not a nurse. See, that's why. That's why people should see me what? and not you. Because Oh, yes. It, it truly yeah. is. Mm -hmm. um, all right. We probably had a bajillion other questions we could have answered. So if there's um, more or more specific ones or 
Um, this was the most ADHD episode I think that we've done. Ironically, like we talked about the rat in my garage. We just talked about bed baths. Yeah, we're talking about. I don't even. I don't even know what you were talking about, but everything and anything that popped in. Yeah, just like squirrel the whole time. I think the medicine just now, like 15 minutes ago, kicked in. So I was like, oh, where was this an hour ago? You know. Oh yeah, yeah. We should probably do a follow up episode and get people's questions. Yeah. Yeah. So wh- whatever your questions are, feel free to like um, DM them to us or write them in the comments or, um, you know, scream, cry them, put them on the back of a plane, you know, mm-hmm. right past, yeah, uh, fly them over box. our office. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. We will, we'll see you next week. Let us know um, what other questions you have, what other episode you'd like to hear about. And um, we'll be sipping with you next, next time, babes. Okay, bye. Bye.